Thank you, Randy. We, we feel a massive amount of joy and praise for God for what God has done in your life. If any of you who are watching want to experience something similar of the grace of God, then uh, please check it out. Go to our website and see more information uh, for the Bridge Course. Well, we come now to that part of our worship that is tangible and we hold it in our hands, so to speak, the, the act of worship, which is our tithes and our offerings. Uh, we can give to the Lord online at risenhopechurch.org, or you can uh, mail a check to the church office, 536 Vermont Road. Again, Facebook uh, video description has the link and mailing address for this. Let me bow in prayer, and in this prayer, ask God's blessing upon the offering, and at the same time, ask God's blessing upon the preaching of His Word. Let's, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful because You have fed us our daily bread, both physically and spiritually. Father, you have given us every need we have. You have given us life and you have sustained our lives and uh, you take care of our lives and you provide for us so that this offering is simply of returning to you of that which you have given to us. Please receive this offering as our act of praise and bless it to the furtherance of the gospel in this community and around the world. And Father, as we turn from worship through giving and singing and praying, now to worship through hearing Your Word, would You please feed us spiritually? Give us the bread, the manna from heaven uh, that will nourish our souls. Please come and speak to us, O oh, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I do want to invite you this afternoon to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, as we continue working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, you can tell if you're familiar with the Gospel that we are drawing toward the end of our series. And we have come... Uh, this afternoon to chapter 26 and verses 26 through 29. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29. Now, as they were eating, that is, as Jesus and the twelve were eating the Passover meal, uh, the night before Jesus was killed, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you 
in my Father's kingdom. I want us to, for the sake of a more complete record of what Jesus said on this occasion, to also take a quick look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 23, where we read, For I, that I is referencing the Apostle Paul who wrote 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. This is going to be the first of two messages in which I try to communicate something of the meaning and the significance and the importance of Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, as it is revealed in the Word of God. Our, our Redeemer King, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has instituted communion or the Lord's Supper as an abiding ordinance or a spiritual devotional ceremony in the life of His gathered church. We believe it would be good for us to, to take some time this weekend next to develop some clear thoughts about what Holy Communion does and does not mean and what it is meant to do for us and to us and in us. I'm going to share in these two messages five basic thoughts. Communication or communion is meant to rekindle our gratitude. Communion is meant to reinforce our unity. Communion is meant to renew our covenant. Communion is meant to replenish our spirit. And communion is meant to refocus our hope. Let's begin with the first. Communion is meant to rekindle our gratitude. Notice in verses 26 and 27 of Matthew, back to Matthew 26, you turn back there, verses 26 and 27, it says that Jesus blessed the bread and gave thanks for the cup. The Greek word used there is Eucharisto, and you might recognize that. Some refer to Holy Communion, to the Lord's Supper as the Eucharist. The, the word Eucharisto means give thanks. And so Jesus pauses in the middle of this Passover meal, takes some bread and gives thanks for it, takes the cup and gives thanks for it. Making the communion meal essentially the ultimate thanksgiving meal. Now I want us to think about this. What is He giving thanks 
4. Well, he gives thanks in Matthew's account. He gives thanks for the cup. The cup that is filled with the fruit of the vine that had been crushed and poured out, which Jesus says represents His blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. Please ponder that with me. This is an astonishing statement. Jesus gives thanks for the cup. What is that cup? It is the cup of the covenant poured out, the blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus gives thanks, if you will, for that which symbolizes His bloody and agonizing death. He gives thanks, in effect, for His own death. This is, this is so extraordinary. This is so astonishing that, it, that it, it is almost too much to take in. It reminded me of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 where we are told to be looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What joy is that? It is the joy of relationship with us. It is the joy of us being able to experience forgiveness. It is the joy of our being reconciled to God and to His Son. It is the joy of our love and our presence with Him forevermore. As Jesus anticipated the cross, He saw joy set before Him. Or in Matthew 26, as He anticipated the pouring out of His blood symbolized in the cup, He gave thanks. Dear ones, that that is too much for words. He gave thanks for His own death, in effect. Now, why did He do that? Well, verse 28 says that this cup was His blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. It is His blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. There is in the Christian faith, in the true, faithful Christian faith, in that Christian faith that is faithful and true to the Word of God, there is a connection, a vital, inseparable, eternal connection between the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of our sins. We cannot have the forgiveness of our sins apart from the blood of Christ. In Romans chapter 3, verse 24, we read, verse 23, we read, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. That means accepted as righteous 
are forgiven by His grace as a gift. Now how are we justified, forgiven by His grace as a gift? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, an atoning sacrifice, a sacrifice to take away, to propitiate His wrath. God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Romans 5 and verse 8, but God, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. We are justified by His blood. 1 John 1, verses 7-9, through 9, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood, the blood, what can wash away my sins? The blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Cleanse us with what? The blood of Christ from all unrighteousness. Do we understand what this means? It means that the forgiveness of our sins, which is the turning away of the wrath and the just judgment of God that is due to our sins, that forgiveness is purchased. It is accomplished through the bleeding out and the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ. It means that Jesus had to experience God's wrath, God's punishment for our sins in our place so that we would never have to experience that wrath. It means that Jesus had to drink of another cup and drink that other cup down to the last drop. It's the cup that he references or we read about in verse 39 of Matthew 26 where Jesus is in the garden and he is in agony there, sweating drops of blood. And he says, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Notice this, Jesus that the Lord's Supper was thankful for the effects of His death, which is why He was able to give thanks for the communion cup. But nevertheless, it was still an agonizing reality that He had to face, one that almost broke Him. This cup that He says in Matthew 26, 39, He wants to have 
passed from Him. What is it? It's, it's not merely the experience of death. It's not like Jesus saying, oh God, I don't want to die. He is saying, I don't want to drink this cup. What cup? Well, Jesus, as a faithful Jewish man, would have known the Old Testament. And in knowing the Old Testament, he would have known Psalms 75 and verse 8. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine well mixed, and He pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. The cup of the Lord is the cup of His wrath. That all the wicked of the earth will drain down to the dregs. Or Isaiah 51 and verse 17, Wake yourself, wake yourself. Stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of His wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. In ancient Hebrew understanding of God, the cup symbolized a vial that was filled with the just wrath of God over the wickedness of man. And in the garden, in the garden, the Father is handing the cup of His wrath that you and I deserve to drink. He is handing that cup over to His Son who has voluntarily and freely out of love offered offered to drink that cup. And He is saying to His Son, for the sake of our people whom we love and for the sake of their forgiveness, dear Son, you will need to drink this cup down to its final dregs, its last drop. This is the only way that an adequate atonement can be made for our sin. So Jesus willingly goes to the cross and pours out His blood and experiences the forsakenness of God on the cross so that you and I would never be forsaken by God, but would be forever forgiven of our sins. Do, do you know, dear friends, do you know what is the first and the fundamental question of our whole fallen and sinful experience as human beings? Do you know what it is? The question is, how can I, how can I, a sinful, weak, powerless, unworthy sinner, how can I ever find acceptance with God? How can I escape the wrath to come? How can I be forgiven? And we are reminded of the answer to that question every time we drink the cup together. Jesus says, drink of it, 
all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. This do as oft as you drink it in glad and grateful remembrance of me. Do you see, my friends, that the communion meal, the Eucharist, has been instituted by our Lord to regularly and frequently rekindle our gratitude and our deep and abiding love for Jesus. It is intended to remind us of that which is of first importance, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ died for our sins. And there are many in this world, indeed many who call themselves Christian, who deny the idea of the blood atonement of Christ. But in denying this, they are denying the faith. And they are denying the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you not glad? Are you not grateful that there is blood to wash away our sins? Have you sinned this week? How many times have you sinned this week alone? How many times have you already sinned this day? When have you sinned? Where have you sinned? How often have you sinned? Against whom have you sinned? We live in a world in which people usually think of the worst sins in our lives as being those that are committed against us. But the reality is that the worst sins of our lives are those that we commit against God and we commit against others. But Jesus paid it all, all to Him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and He washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all. And Jesus gives thanks for the cup. And in giving thanks for the cup, He is saying to us, you should give thanks for the cup. You should be thankful. Observe this as often as you do it in remembrance of Me. For I have poured out My blood for the forgiveness of your sins. If you have never trusted in Jesus, this is what you're missing out on. You're missing out on forgiveness. You're missing out on pardon and free and full and forever acceptance with God. You're missing out on reconciliation with God through the blood of His Son. Do not miss out any longer. Do not reject and spurn the Son of God who alone has paid the price for your sins. For if He did not drink that cup to the last drag for you, then one day you will have to drink it for yourself. Do not delay. Do not delay, but come to Jesus and trust Him and Him alone. And dear believer, as we partake of the communion meal whenever the Lord allows us to do that, even as we shall in a few minutes on the church parking lot, may we do this in remembrance of Him and may it rekindle our gratitude. To him. Now, secondly, communion is meant not just to rekindle our gratitude, but to reinforce 
our unity. To reinforce our unity. You will notice in the text, Matthew 26, Jesus broke bread, meaning that the bread originally was in one loaf and He took a cup. There was one cup and one loaf. The original communion meal, one loaf of bread broken so that all present ate of the same loaf. One cup, all present, drank of the same cup. Now, logistically, that would be pretty hard to do when you have a couple hundred of people. But the reality is that spiritually, we do this every time we have communion together. We eat together at the same time of the same loaf spiritually of the saving benefits of Christ's body given for us. We drink together at the same time of the same cup of the saving work of Christ's blood that is poured out on the tree. We are united in the experience. Communion was created, was instituted by our Lord to be a gathered together experience of believers so that they can be united in remembering His death. So we read, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 and 17, the cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not a participation or a fellowship in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. The Lord's Supper brings us together. The Lord's Supper reminds us of what unifies us. What binds us together is the Lord Jesus Christ. What binds us together is the cross. What binds us together is the person and work of Jesus. This is why in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul confronts some issues in the Corinthian church and he, and he pronounces some pretty stinging rebukes and corrections to the Corinthians because they were approaching the Lord's Supper which was meant to remind them and reinforce within them their unity. They were approaching it divided. They were divided by their favorite preachers and parties. Remember, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. They were divided by class and economics. They were divided by different cultures and convictions. They were divided by all the same types of things that divide Christians today. And Paul verbally spanks them with his words in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 22. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? I commend you not. This is, this is an apostle uh, who is kind of a spiritual father to these Corinthians. This, this is an apostle who is exercising a measure of authority and rebuking their, their lives. He is saying, what are you doing? The Lord's Supper is meant to bring you together and instead of that, when you come together, you're despising various, various people within 
the body of Christ. You're humiliating those who have less. There are cultural and class distinctions going on. And then he commands them to examine themselves so that they don't partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner and in doing that actually invite the Lord's discipline and chastisement in their lives. So he's saying every time before you come to communion, every time make sure that you spend some time before God searching through your heart and your relationships to make sure that you have not sinned against others or are not holding grudges or showing partiality or bigotry or prejudice or classism or anything else in your heart because when you come to the Lord's Supper, we are to come united. We are to come one in what uh, St. Augustine called a bond of charity or love. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in this day and in this hour of great division and crisis. We as the people of God are called to unity even in these times. We are not to speak evil of others or look down on others or think ourselves smarter or wiser or better or more just than others. We are not to assume the worst about others. We are not to think badly of them even when they say things or do things that seem wrong or ignorant. We, these are our brothers and our sisters in Christ for whom Christ died. And Jesus instituted communion in part to be a frequent unifying force and experience in our lives. How important this is. How important this is. There isn't a cause. There aren't politics. There isn't a party, a culture, a class, a color, a condition in this world that is more important than this. Christ Jesus died not to make us Republicans or Democrats. He did not die to make us white or black or brown. He did not die to make us conservatives or liberals. He did not die to make us male or female. He did not die to make us old or young or rich or poor or well-educated or less educated. He did not die even to make us think the same way about everything. He did not die to resolve all of our political and cultural differences of opinion. No, He died to make us forgiven. And He died to make us justified and accepted in the sight of God and therefore accepted in one another's sight. And He died to make us His and only His forever. He died to make us one. The communion meal is meant to rekindle our joyful and loving gratitude. And the communion meal is meant to reinforce and strengthen our unity in the body of Christ by reminding us that however we might disagree on any number of things, we are one here at the foot of the cross as sinners 
saved by grace, redeemed with precious blood, the blood of Jesus. How I pray that all of the people of God are saying, at least in their hearts right now, Amen. Communion is meant to rekindle our joyful and loving gratitude. Communion is meant to reinforce and strengthen our love and our unity. May we as oft as we do this, do it in remembrance of Him and as an expression of our united love for Him and for one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for the gift of Holy Communion. Thank You for this Thanksgiving meal. Simple as it is, but profound beyond all telling. Thank you that we eat together in remembrance of Christ. That as often as we do this, we proclaim our Lord's death until He comes. And now, Lord, whether together in a few minutes or apart, may our hearts share spiritual communion with Jesus and with one another as your body. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.